0: Welcome to Leading at the Point of Sale. I'm John Occupendi. I'm an industry veteran in the startup world, venture capital, and I'm CEO of a company called Naturebox. This podcast is dedicated towards leading people and navigating tough headwinds. Whether you're the commander of a large tanker or skipper of a small startup, the decisions you make will be the difference between sinking and sailing into calmer waters. My job is to be curating interviews and in the best of the best from Silicon Valley, providing valuable insights and tactics to help you on your journey. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to Leading at the Point of Sale podcast, I'm excited about my guest today. Guest is Chris Littlefield, who's an international TED speaker on employee appreciation, recognition, and workplace culture. Uh, Chris has worked with thousands of leaders across many continents, actually, from Accenture, Boston Medical Centers, U.S. Army, United Nations. Uh, Chris also writes for Forbes uh, and has done some work with Harvard Business Review and recently has launched a book called 75 Team Building Activities for Remote Teams, which is an Amazon bestseller right now. Welcome, Chris.
1: Thanks. Happy to be here, John.
0: Yeah. So, Chris, you're you're... Company and site is called, you know, Beyond Thank You, right? And I'm curious, like, what? How did you come up with that name? And uh, tell us about some of the work you've done with some leaders and what what they need to understand about Beyond Thank You.
1: Well, I, the, the name came out, my background is in international conflict resolution, and so I kind of started my career facilitating dialogues from people from a lot of the major international conflicts, usually from civil society, whether it's Israeli-Palestinians, Indians, Pakistanis, and did a lot of work in Armenian Azerbaijan, and I had a fallout on one of my teens, right, with two of my coworkers, the irony, and we couldn't resolve the issue. And what changed it was a simple recognition activity. After a year of absolutely nothing working, this one simple 15 minute recognition activity shifted the dynamics on our team. And so at first I called my company Acknowledgement Works because it was all about acknowledging other people and understanding what people are going through. And then the more and more I studied the role of recognition in the workplace, in the role of why is it that compliments make a big difference and what role they play in a relationship. The more I started looking into finding what's at the heart of our relationship was people feeling valued. It wasn't just about saying thank you. Because if I say thank you and then I don't back it up with all my actions, if I don't show you that I appreciate you, that I value you, that I acknowledge the circumstances that you're working in, that I recognize you for your effort and your progress and I reward you for the results, right? Then you're not going to feel valued. And so everything is about going beyond just thanking people and ensuring that they feel valued every day.
0: We recently just had appreciation day, employee appreciation. And, and, uh, you know, I'm on the, on our all hands meeting with the science saying, thank you. And, and it's like, yeah, it's not enough. Like it's probably better, not just on appreciation day, but more authentically when, when people don't expect it.
1: Well, I think that, you know, and I just, I just, sent a video out to my YouTube channel the other day and it was literally just like, hey, these days, I'm not a fan of Employee Appreciation Day or Nurses Day or mm-hmm. uh, Valentine's Day. But all these things, what they do is they act as a reminder to appreciate that person or to take action to express our love for somebody. So they're, they act as reminders, right? And mm-hmm. so it's just important to remember that that's not the only time we're doing it, but maybe we do something extra special during that time. But it's not that because we did that event on that day, then great. We've checked it off. People feel appreciated, right? It's like a met Chester Elton. I love one of the jokes he says in his talks. He's like, okay, well, I said I love you when we're married. Isn't that enough? right? Why do I need to keep <laughs> on saying it, right? Yeah. It's like it's been, it's been 40 years. I said it back then, 40 years we got married. No, it's about continuously taking actions to signal to people every day that we value and we appreciate them.
0: But it's amazing that you had this epiphany with your own partner. It's just like a simple act of appreciation, like just changed the dynamic. It was that big of an epiphany for you. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it, it actually wasn't a simple act of appreciation because we can express our appreciation all we want. It's something that I actually call reflective recognition. So there's standard recognition where I share how what you did, your actions or behaviors impacted me right? Mm -hmm. And most people don't realize this, but when we're expressing our appreciation or recognition, it's really more about us. I'm sharing how you, John, what your actions or behavior, how they impacted me, right? And you may agree or disagree with that, but it's really me sharing. And that's one. Mm -hmm. And then what I call, uh, and this is a term that I've developed in my own work, what I call reflective recognition. And reflective recognition is an inquiry-based approach to recognition with the understanding that I have no clue What you, John, who worked for me or on my team or my boss, what you're going through every single day. I don't know what's going on when the camera's off. I don't know what you're dealing with at home. I don't know if you have family members that are sick. What it took for you to produce that result that you produced this week that I saw, Mm
0: -hmm. I only
1: see the outcome, but I don't see what you go through to produce it. And so reflective recognition is me asking you questions. Hey, you know what? Here's what I appreciate about you, but what are you proud of? What do you want Hmm. to be acknowledged for? And when I did that with my team, the team that I was on uh, back in 2007, I think it was, when I asked my coworker, what do you want to be acknowledged for? And what she shared opened me up to a whole nother world of what she was dealing with that I had no clue. And it's really hard to appreciate the person, right? When you don't understand what they're going through. It's like, have you ever tried to buy a gift for somebody and you don't know them? And you're like, I want to get them a bottle of wine, but I don't know if they drink. You know what? I'm going to get them this grilling kit, but I don't know if they're vegetarian. And it's like you're walking in not knowing, right? But when you know somebody, when you know what matters to them, you know what has them feel valued, what they care about, and what really is the purpose behind their life and the sacrifices that they're making, and just listening to that person, giving them a chance to share is one of the easiest ways to have somebody feel valued.
0: It's it's kind of interesting, though. What do you want to be acknowledged for? It, mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like, isn't that kind of an awkward question? It's extremely
1: awkward. It is so <laughs> awkward. It goes against the face of every single thing that we've been taught. It goes right. against what we've been taught about humility. It goes against what we've been taught about um, uh, being humble, mm-hmm. humility, uh, don't talk about yourself. I'm from New England. It is... And this is why I spend so much time training people in this to make it comfortable to have this conversation, because we're not supposed to speak up. But how many times have you run into employees that are resentful that nobody recognized them, but nobody saw yeah. what they were doing?
0: Yeah. I have this, uh, one of my uh, my VP engineering, and and um, uh, I was talking to my COO, and we we're talking about uh, what we're trying to get out of the that group. And she's like, yeah, he's been working till like, you know, 1 a.m. every, you know, 2 a.m. every night. It's like, wow, didn't quite know that. Like, but he will never say anything about that. And so for me to be able to pull that out of him and say, like, what do you really want to be appreciated for? Those things. Isn't it better to find out from others to kind of have those and then go to the VP engineering and say, hey, listen, like, thank you for working so late. 100%,
1: 100%, but you need to intentionally do it. So, so yeah. this week, one of, the, one of the senior management tips that I'm going to be sharing with my, with my mailing and newsletter is one of the simple things that somebody who is a CEO like yourself is if you want to nurture a of appreciation, it's not about holding out employee appreciation day, right? It's about asking questions that have people scanning for opportunities to do that, collecting mm. information like you did. So one mm. of the recommendations that I give to leaders, I said in every senior management meeting, As people are sharing those results they produce, follow up by asking the question: "And who on your team, or on another team, supported you in helping that, making that result possible?" Mm -hmm. And then they're going to share something like your employee did. And then afterwards, ask them, "What have you done in the last week to let that person know that you appreciate them for what they did?"
0: Chris, is it harder or easier with remote teams now? Like in the, you know, the computer screens between us. Or is it just the same? Like, is it, uh, you know, these are the same tactics that we should use. We're in the office, out of the office. That doesn't really make a difference.
1: It does. So, so I think there's an element of we get more physical cues that remind us to check in with somebody we're in a physical office, right? Mm -hmm. So you may see, right? We can still be too busy. I don't know. I've been in the house with my wife and daughter nonstop for 14 months now, you know, (laughs) because I lived in South America. I just moved back to the U.S., but, you know, prior to that, like I've we've been in lockdown and where I was in lockdown in South America, we literally could not leave our apartment for almost four months straight. So mm-hmm. I've been with them and you can be in the same space with somebody and not have those 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 cues. But when we are in the office and you walk by someone's desk and you say good morning and they respond differently or they don't respond, it sets something off in your mind. to you go, oh, that wasn't normal. I need to maybe check in with them right? If you're sitting in a meeting and you say something and you see them disengage or you see their body language change, you may get some physical cues that remind you. Where in the remote environment, we don't necessarily have those cues. And we also don't have, don't tend to have downtime, right? There's no downtime where you check in before the meeting unless you schedule it. Unless if you have an hour long block for a meeting, unless you block out 10 minutes in the beginning of the meeting to have downtime to check in and to chat, then you don't have that time, so you have to make that time. But regardless of whether we're in person or we're working remotely, in order to engage people, you have to engage
0: with them. Tell us why? Why did you write this book? You know, seventy-five team building activities for remote teams. What was sort of the the uh, you know, if, if people were to get something out of this book, like what what do you what would you imagine to be the best best source of someone getting value from that?
1: Well, I, I this was. Same in my work with employee recognition, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about people when they don't know what to do, they don't tend to ha- take actions, right? Mm-hmm. If I've got to go search and I go online, okay, team building activity, and then I'm on YouTube and there's 50 different things and I've got to sort through what I kept on having is that I've been, you know, prior to being, you know, back in the US now, I lived abroad for 10 years. So I was running my business remotely for over a decade and mm-hmm. meeting with clients and running programs virtually for over a decade. And so when people, you know, when the pandemic hit and everybody went remote, people were looking for, how do I build connection? How do I maintain my culture? How do I keep my people connected? How do I understand and check in and make sure that they know that I appreciate them and I value them? How do I take care of my people? And how do I take care of myself? And Mm -hmm. so I realized that people were looking for resources. And I had had put together a document at one point in time, you know, 14 activities. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people were downloading this. And I thought, you know what, let me take this and I published an article in Harvard Business Review about how to be an empathetic remote coworker. Mm. And then what I did is I just kind of expanded it out and said, people need resources right now. Let me put mm. it into a book that can be delivered to their house from Amazon, right? That gives them things that they can do. And it's not just games, right? Because it's not really about our relationships aren't built by playing games. Like I used to work mm. for you know, Outward Bound and Project Adventure doing ropes courses and stuff in the past. So doing yep. team building programs. I would not necessarily call this book team building, but the thing is what people, when people are searching for activities to do with people, they're going to search for team building. So I called it team building activities, right?
0: Got it. And, yeah. so,
1: and so that's why I call it that, but it's really about building relationships. And so when we were out on those ropes courses, when we were doing those activities, doing those offsites, it was never about climbing up a rock wall or doing a trust fall. It was that we were spending time together, not talking about work and getting Mm. to know who each other are as people and taking Mm. time to be interested in people and understand Mm. what they're dealing with, you know? And so the whole book was struck in a way so that managers could get, okay, you know what? I need an opener question. What can I ask in the beginning of my meeting to get people talking, to make it a little less awkward? And one of my favorite questions right now to ask is what were you doing five minutes before the meeting? Right, and people can just share that quick because five minutes before the meeting, like even our meeting, you know, I was I was going there, and I was like, okay, my wife's in running a running a program right now in another room. My daughter's on the computer getting her set up, making sure that the computer's not going to die while I'm in this interview, getting lunch cleaned up enough, getting a coffee, and coming in. People are in the bathroom. People (laughs) running with schools. People, you know, it's like everybody's doing this. And when we ask that, it reminds us that people didn't just come from, well, I was just leisurely working at my desk prior to this. No, you know, many people are dealing with a lot of different stuff at home. And when we yeah. ask, we get present to that, right? And it humanizes
0: people. I love that. It's sort of trying to peek behind the curtain in the conversations and really have authentic understanding of what's going on with our, our teams, our people and our relationships. Chris, you've given us a few gems just now Tell us a few others from the book that an HR leader or manager could use tomorrow that uh, may surprise surprise someone.
1: I think there's a lot of different things you can do. I think one of the ones that we want to be checking in and understanding what people are dealing with each day. So the question I just shared is a great one is what were you doing five minutes before the meeting? You know, yep. another thing you can do right in the start of your meetings is do what I call pulse check questions is we often just ask people, hey, how's everybody doing? And people just say, fine, because they're like, you don't really care. So another way to check in, and I love this for checking in on all sorts of things, is what I call a pulse check question. And asking people to say, on a scale of one to 10, what's your energy level today? One, I'm absolutely dragging to 10, I am, you know, I'm fired up and ready to go. Two, how are you feeling about your ability to keep up with everything at work and home? 10, I am, you know, I'm on this to one, I am dragging. And by doing that, people can put their numbers into the chat, they can hold their hands up. And then, you know, depending on the size of your team, you can extend it out. Does anyone want to share why they picked the number that they did? And is there anything you, I, or the team can do to support you? Right? And if people put up, you know, a five, that may be an indicator for leaders to reach out to that person, just check in. Hey, is there anything I can do to support? No, I'm just exhausted from the weekend. Okay, great. But it's a cue to be able to reach out.
0: It's interesting, though. Is it, is it you know, I was thinking as you were talking, is it like, well, would this be better on a one on one? Like, hey, give me a scale of 110. How are you feeling? You know, is, are people really willing to share all that information with the group? Is that sort of become, people become vulnerable under that scenario? Is it better to do this in a group or not a group?
1: I think it's really going to depend on the emotional safety. Uh, that's been developed on a team. And I think that's one thing that people tend to take for granted is that it's not about one-off actions. Trust is a status that we maintain, right? Mm. It's not a place that we get to. It's a status we maintain by our actions and our behaviors. And so as leaders, we need to be constantly doing things to keep on maintaining Mm. that status. You know, one of the things I have it on my site is I have a a quick 10-question assessment to kind of check Mm. the emotional safety on our team that asks them different yeah. questions. And it's a really easy thing to be able to use to do a pulse of where you're at. So depending on where you're at with the team, yes, one-on-ones, it's great to use those pulse checks there because people often don't know if you ask, hey, how are you doing? Because I don't know how the hell I'm doing most of the time. But if I ask you what scale you're on and say, I'm a five, and then you go, why'd you pick that? You can then work out and explain that. So it's great as a one-on-one and some people, that's a safe way for a lot of people to check in. You're not forcing people I'm like, well, John, you said you're a three today let's, let's talk about it. No, you're not going to follow up there. You never force anybody to share or talk about it. But when people do that, it gives them an opportunity, a safe way to post a number. And then as a leader, it's especially important for you to share when you're not having a great day. Like if you're like, yeah, everything's great. You know, I just got off my Peloton, right? It's like, okay, yeah. And (laughs) three hours ago, I was pissed off and yelling at my wife and I was, I was angry and I was frustrated and I was worried my business, like, You're not going to let it all go, but you're also going to say, I had a rough weekend. Yeah. Right now, we need to be sharing with people that we're not perfect because it gives them permission to not be perfect. And so I think that you can use that all the time in in one-on-ones, in large groups, but it's a way to kind of slowly step out into a slightly more emotionally risky place, but to also check in and show that I care to ask how you're doing. So another act. Another activity that I think is really popular and is a fun, really quick game, which is if you ever played Have You Ever before, right? Which is the game where you ask a question, have you ever done this? And if people have done that, then they raise their hand. So one of the things I love about virtual meetings is you people can quickly turn their camera on and off. And it's a really fun visual. And so what I'll do in some of my programs or retreats or team building programs for organizations is I'll say, okay, everybody turn your camera off. And then I say, I'm going to ask questions. And if it's true for you, turn your camera on. And I'll ask questions Mm. like, um, if you've ever hid things uh, behind the camera to make your office look cleaner than it actually is, turn your camera on. And then all the people will turn their camera on. They'll be laughing because everybody's hiding something. I did it. You know, my daughter's virtual school, we're not, this (laughs) isn't on video, but my daughter's virtual school has been slid down the countertop. And I know where the line is that you can see on my camera because everything's (laughs) on the (laughs) other side of it. Or other yeah. questions, questions in the book, I have a list of like 10 different questions you do. Like, have you ever completely forgotten about a meeting until someone called to ask you, are you going to join the call? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I was just getting a coffee. And then you hop on the call <laughs> and play it off like you knew. Or have yeah. you ever com- you know, completely stopped paying attention on a call? Someone asked you a question and you answered the question and got away with it, right? But it's just a way to get people to laugh about what we're going through right now. To have yeah. that commonality that, you know what, we're struggling a little bit now to talk about some of the things. another activity that is not in the book, I, I think I produced this afterwards and I did an article in Forbes about it, is this activity we're all in this, um, you know, over the last year, people used to say a lot that um, same storm, different boat, right? That mm. we're all in the same pandemic, but we're all weathering it from a different boat. And that part of how we're going to survive as a team is to check in to understand what he, who the boat that each other are in, right? Like, yeah. hey, I'm home with a five year old. You know, I don't know if you're if you have kids and if they're older, but our boats are different. And if you don't mm. understand what I'm dealing with, and I don't understand what you're dealing with, it's hard to be able to support each other. And that doesn't mean that I need to tell you everything I'm dealing with. But if I can understand, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be responding to emails probably before two o'clock because my wife is working in the morning and I'm with my daughter. And then at yeah. two. This is my schedule. So it's understanding each other's schedules, understanding what each other are dealing with, understanding what support looks like. And for everybody moving forward, also, hey, what are your thoughts moving forward as we start to see people get vaccinated? We start to talk yeah. about to be in a discussion about returning to work, right? Yeah. We also need to be thinking about that because that needs to be a dialogue, not a decision
0: interesting I, I love the the boat analogy it's actually the, the title of this podcast is leading at the point of sail and the point of sales is actually a sailor's term uh, that describes the the wind relative to the direction of the boat so all of us have different headwinds that are facing us and how do we all tackle those uh, as companies as people as families' kind of interesting and and the, and the really so transitioning to this we are you know in the middle of vaccine, Distribution, people are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and possibly getting back to to uh, to the office. And so, I'm really curious what your thoughts are about how HR leaders should be thinking about those discussions, and like where the, you know, what are the the do's and don'ts uh, of that discussion about getting back to the office.
1: I I think that the the most obvious don't is don't make a decision that doesn't involve your employees. And I think that's the easiest one. And that's a universal don't, right, in, in most cases, because you're, you know, and okay, I should never speak with allness. I remember my communication course from back in my first year of college, however many years ago, but it was like, don't ever speak in allness, that it's one way. But it tends to not be a good decision to make decisions without consulting your employees or at least listening first. And right now, I think the thing that people aren't calculating for is that we went through a global trauma. We went through a global trauma over this last year and everybody went through different things. I ran a resiliency workshop for a bunch of social workers um, last week. And when I saw the surveys afterwards, the things that people shared, you know what? I lost my husband last week and you know what? I wasn't even going to show up and I didn't realize I really needed to talk with others and actually talk about how people are coping right now and what I can do to take care of myself. You know what, my sister tried to commit suicide last week. I mean, these were these were survey responses that people told me after a one-hour resiliency workshop. Mm. You know, people are going through things that are unimaginable right now. In the in the month of January, about six people in our immediate circle and a couple, you know, extended family members passed away suddenly. You know, in in, in that people are going through loss. And I think that when people have gone through loss, when people have gone through the trauma of the last year. Um, people tend to reevaluate their lives and their priorities and Mm. what's important to people right now is changing what people would put up with before and what they would deal with, um, to get to work and sacrifice for a job. People are rethinking that. And so if organizations want to keep their best people, right, some of them are going to be ecstatic to get back to the office. They can't Mm. wait. They've been counting down the days. And then there's others ones that are going to want to get back to get back to the office eventually, but until their kids are fully back to school, right? And even when they are fully back to school, they may want to be there to greet them after school. They've got all this time with them and they realized, wait a second, before I'm spending all my downtime commuting and hanging out with coworkers, when I do this job to be able to spend time with my family and I wasn't getting to do that, but now I've had a taste of that well, maybe I want part of it. So I think leaders, it's going to be a dialogue with each individual employee, right? To understand what do people want? What do we need for results from these people on our team, from our organization, from our department? And how do we create something? Because returning people to the office to sit in in cubicles with masks on and plexiglass between us is not returning to the office, Right. And getting on the me- getting on the metro to get to a downtown metropolitan area like Boston or D.C. or New York, well, that doesn't work for people. And paying for parking in a city at $100 a-, a day to $300 a day doesn't make sense.
0: It sounds like you're saying don't push it. Like just that you have to have an appreciation for what people are going through and where they've been. Um, but, you know, at-, at some point in time, you know, you know, do you have to kind of like say, this is what our philosophy is. We're an in-house, we're an in-office company or we're out off. Do you think that that's not the right approach?
1: Well, I think it's going to, I think it's going to need to be a dialogue. And I think that people are going to need to understand that they're probably going to lose certain people in that Mm. process. Right. And I think that that's important to start calculating that for companies that, Hey, if we force people to return to the office and we're not gonna create some sort of flexible environment where we had that for a year, we are gonna probably lose some people in that process. And right. if we wanna avoid that, we wanna be having to, we want to have our managers having discussions about what people are interested in, what's working, what hasn't been working over the last year. And there are certain roles that is not gonna work for them to be based remotely, right? Yeah, Like there's certain ones like order fulfillment, it's not going it, to, you can't have it remote. Factory, like yeah. assembly, like there's certain things where it's just, it's not going to work to have a remote and it hasn't worked to have it remote throughout the pandemic. But, but there are other options. well, we've seen that that is
0: possible. There's flexibility over this interim period, right? There's still uncertainty and, um, uh, you know, you need to have the flexibility. But what do you think about long-term, let's say, let's let's push out another 12 months from now. People are very well vaccinated. Do you mm-hmm. think that the the future of work will have forever changed? And and how do you think companies need to operate You know, after this pandemic?
1: I think, I think work will forever be changed in the same way uh, everything's forever changed, right? Like, so we're going to go through, are we going to go back to a time where we don't have cell phones? Probably not. They're there. There's going to be some form of communication. There's going to be some form of social interaction via devices that, that's there. We're not going to go back to a point where we're using rotary dial phones. Mm -hmm. But is there going to be some hybrid? Yes, we need a physical space. A physical space plays an important role in our relationships, in our culture. Having that meeting point, whether it's a conference where we meet up every year and we see our branding and we see our coworkers in the physical space, people are going to need to have that meetup. I just talked with a company out in Denver, Colorado, who um, they had three floors. They sold two of them, and now their office, they're they're a, a marketing firm. Right, and they're going to have one office where people who want to come in they can use it as a shared working space, and that's where they're going to meet up and have client meetings. But other yeah. than that people are free to work where they want to work, right? And so yeah. they're, they're they've chosen to make that adjustment because it works better for their people. Other people that hey, we want to be in the office we we do our best thinking, but I think it's going to be really important because one thing I've watched specifically older leaders who really are dying to go back to how things were. Mm-hmm. Um, really need to push themselves out of their comfort zone to consider, is how things were going to serve my people to allow us to serve our customers? And that needs to be a dialogue, right? Opposed to just a straight out decision.
0: That's really interesting. I think it kind of comes back to the beginning of our conversation where uh, having authentic, trusted conversations. And so a culture of trust can actually thrive in a Hybrid environment like that, where maybe the older school you know uh, measuring productivity by the parking lot is not gonna is not going to be as successful especially in this uh in the new you know the new new way we work
1: yeah and I think we need to look at there are some things that one thing is that everybody's been trained to meet virtually now right even mm-hmm. my seventy five year old mother has been trained to meet virtually now. <laughs> Right sure, she yeah. by the end of this, can hold the camera for the majority of the call where we can see her whole face, right It's like yeah. people are, have that have that awareness of I am being seen through a camera now, so I need to hold the camera in a certain ways so people can see me right so people have that skill set now, and I think that there is a there is a certain efficiency to be able to meet virtually that doesn't require us to get all get to the same location to have an hour long conversation. We can have that hour long conversation from multiple different locations, and save people all the time to transition there and to transition from there. So, but then there's other times where I would much rather have a retreat in person. I'd much Mm -hmm. rather have an offsite with a team where they're not getting interrupted by their family the whole time, right? Where we need to think about strategy together. Meeting in person is so much better, right? But it doesn't, we're not limited to just that as an option.
0: Well, Listen, Chris, you've, you've given us um, a number of great nuggets and I'm actually going to use some of this uh, authentic gratitude and um, uh, feeling of appreciation with my wife. I think it'll help my (laughs) personal relationships, you know, as well as our co-worker relationships. Yeah, I'm sure it will. But I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity. Where can people reach you? What, what's the best way to, to uh, get more of Chris Littlefield?
1: So you can find me uh, at my website, beyondthankyou.com. And I'm also really active on LinkedIn. That's where I post the most information. I have a YouTube channel, Christopher Littlefield. Um, and you can find a bunch of videos and little segments from the book and activity recommendations. And then you can find the book, 75 Team Bill Activities, uh, on Amazon.
0: Fantastic. Christopher, I really appreciate your time. And uh, NatureBox hopes to, to be you know closely working with you in, in the future as well, because I'm sure there's great ways that we could team up. I would love that. Thank you for your time.
1: Great. It was great talking to me today, John. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening. One final note before we cast off is I want to thank our sponsors, which is Naturebox, dedicated to providing engagement, wellness snacks that can reduce stress in one's body using adaptogenic plant-based ingredients and services to really help HR departments and executives motivate their teams with these wonderful perks at home. Don't take it from us. Take it from some of our big customers, Google, Facebook, and others. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.